And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Harris James. And Harris James writes in, Hey, John, I just finished reading an article on Deadline that says Wonder Woman 84 is pretty much certain now to move off of the December release date and into 2021 sometime. The question that comes up is what would a move like this mean to theaters like AMC and Regal and to other movies that are supposed to come out like Free Guy? What do you think? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And you know what? It's just it's business as usual for the crap fest that is 2020. (laughs) It feels like, Rob, for months, every day, if not every day, then at least every week, there's news of this movie's moving. And now that movie's moving. And now that other movie we just talked about, yeah, moving again. And kind of for a long time, it seemed like one of the last bastions that was going to hold on, other than Tenet, which did, which did come out, was uh, there was Black Widow. It looked like Disney was pretty firm on wanting to keep Black Widow. It moved. And then, well, I mean, there's Soul. And then Solo made its big uh, Soul made its big shift and everything. But then there's Wonder Woman 84. And we have heard from Warner Brothers executives exhaustively. We are pretty committed to December 25th, to to this December of Wonder Woman 84. And they may have meant it. But in the time that has passed since they were saying that, a lot of things have happened. You know, we've got European countries now re-shutting down again. We have new spikes in the pandemic that are causing more problems. Anyway, Deadline wrote a really good article. And one of the things that they wrote in is, I'm hearing that meetings are underway with Studio Brass who are deciding what will happen next. This, despite all good intentions by Warner Brothers executives to stick to a December 25th, uh, last week at a variety of a variety Power of Women conversations, Warner Brothers Chair and CEO Ann Sarnoff said, we've got a little bit of time to figure that out in regards to the Wonder Woman 84 release date. In fact... The studio does not. Now, bear with me as I read through this, because this is actually pretty interesting. If Warner Brothers doesn't want to incur any lost P&A, that's basically marketing money. If Warner Brothers doesn't want to incur any lost marketing money, it needs to move Wonder Wonder Woman 84 now, according to several industry sources. Generally, tentpole film campaigns fire off six weeks before their opening dates, and that would put Wonder Woman 84 spots starting the week before Thanksgiving. And if the Patty Jenkins directed movie starring Gal Gadot is going to stick to its Christmas Day release date, it definitely needs to promote during Thanksgiving when everyone is home watching football and there might be some who dare to go to the cinemas to see Universal DreamWorks animation the crudes which let's be honest nobody is basically what they're basically saying here is wonder woman 84 is running out of time to make a decision because they are coming up on that red line date where once they really because as of right now rob they've only spent about only spent but they've spent about 20 million dollars in marketing the uh, article uh, well, goes on nothing. to say, "Come on, yeah, nothing. Twenty million, but they've spent twenty million on marketing so far. But they're getting now to that red line date, yeah, where they need to know if they're going to pull the trigger on like releasing the other sixty million dollars that they're spending on this thing. And if you do, well, then there's no turning back. And you know, the article goes on to talk a lot about the circumstances are mounting against it. It looks like it's probably going to have to move into 2021. Now, it should be noted that as of this moment, there has been no official word on that happening. But we got to start thinking about 
If, as Deadline is suggesting, they do move, what does that cause? Now, their article goes on to say the following. If Wonder Woman 84 flees Christmas, we could further expect Disney to pull its 20th Century Studios marquee feature, Free Guy, that's the Ryan Reynolds film, and Death on the Nile, which has Gal Gadot also doing double duty. Exhibition also is looking forward to these movies. However, with Wonder Woman 84's rescheduling to 2021, there is one swoop there in one swoop goes the year-end holiday movie-going fame, which exhibitions as the theaters have been eyeing to lengthen their financial runways. That type of situation could put big circuits like AMC and others into bankruptcy or force exhibition to further close down. Basically, what the article here is saying is that we all know that the movie theaters are in trouble. We all know that. But as we've progressed through this pandemic, they've had little lights at the end of the tunnel that they've been holding on to. One of those right now is Wonder Woman 84 coming out of Christmas. That if, if a couple of movies in December can come out, Free Guy, Death on the Nile, Wonder Woman 84, those won't fix everything. But as they said in the Deadline article, that stretches out the runway for them. That gives them a little bit more of a lifeline. Now it's looking like those things are probably going to move and the dominoes start to fall. Rob, let me ask you this. Two questions for you. Number one, at this point, with everything we see going on, what do you think is the likelihood that Wonder Woman stays where it is on December 25th? So that's question one. Question two is, if it moves... Do you think it'll be isolated or do you think like the deadline article article suggests that it could cause start a domino chain reaction of other films moving and causing other problems? What do you think is going to happen here? Well, um, all we're seeing is rises in COVID cases and the idea that social distancing is working. Um, it is, I guess, in some places, but large gatherings so far in movie theaters have not become uh, identified as uh, COVID super spreader events. But I think that the way cases are rising, especially in Europe, um, they don't have a choice. And remember, I mean, even if at full capacity, you're still dealing with half capacity theaters because they're all socially distanced. And these movies, we've talked about it so often, John, you're looking at films that, you know, are expected to make a billion dollars. And as Tenet graphically illustrated, these films can't, get anywhere near that globally. So I think it's academic. They they have to move Wonder Woman. They have to move these big films because they don't have a choice. Uh, the films will end up losing them hundreds of millions of dollars. So why would you do that? They don't, they have to not release them. There was a interesting bit of buzz that was going around for about 24 hours, but the deadline article shot it down. There was some talk that maybe Warner Brothers was talking to the theaters about a 17-day theatrical window just for right. Wonder Woman, like as a one-time thing, because they were saying, hey, that lets us get the movie into theaters, and then we can kind of hopefully try to salvage something in a quick, short theatrical window. But apparently that didn't really go anywhere. And wonder it doesn't sound like Warner Brothers was actually all that interested in it either. So let me ask you, if you're right and they do end up moving Wonder Woman, what's the chain reaction? What happens? Well, it's a real question of where. Where are they going to move it to? I mean, uh, these films, I mean, even Dune moved like a year. And a lot of these films have already staked out some territory. I mean... 
I uh, do they move Wonder Woman another year? I gosh, John. Uh, I, uh, they've darn, moved it John. a couple of times. <laughs> they've moved it a couple of times already. They always kind of seem to move it just very incrementally. Yeah, so no, I, I think that this is going to be a big move. Really? So you think if they move it this time, they're like moving it past the summer? Or into the summer. Or into the uh, summer? Uh, yeah. I mean, it really, I, I think they're going to have to look at where we're at. Where Where's the world at in December in terms right. of COVID cases? Like, are we really going to lose? We're still, you know, there's a thousand people dying a day in the United States. So what are they going to do? And with, with those kind of numbers, we're, you're, <laughs> is it going to stay that way? Are we going to lose another 60,000 people in the next two months? I mean, and then what's what's Europe going to look like? You know, they shut down production in, in the Czech Republic on films yeah. or, or shows like Wheel of Time because uh, they they it's exploded there. So I, it's I don't know, man. Well, what happens know. then with with other films that are like slated in December, like well, right now with like Free Guy, Death and Life? What do you think happens they're, there? They're all the they're all going away. They're all gone. they're all going they're all going away. Yeah. So, so then how does this impact if December gets lost as well? I, I mean, look, I, I can't remember the last time we did one of these shows where it's like some good news for the movie theaters today. I mean, obviously it's bad news, but how bad of news is Free Guy, Death on the Nile, Wonder Woman all vacating December? How bad news is that for the movie theater chains? It's horrifically bad. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're, you know, I did a, I did a uh, show yesterday about AMC, you know, they're they're looking to borrow another almost 50 sixty, yeah, fifty million dollars, and what's that going to do for them? You know, they lost. They they also had their earnings report yesterday. They lost almost a billion dollars this year. Yeah, and and you know, you're coming off of one of the most successful years in history, 2019, if not the most. And to look at, you know, I was I was waxing rhapsodic about how. The last time I went to an AMC Dolby cinema was with you to see Joker and how what a wonderful experience it was and how <laughs> here, here AMC has provided they, – they've, they've spent $5 billion working with Dolby, renovating their theaters to provide the best uh, consistent cinema-going experience ever for their patrons. And then this happens. I mean I can't. They did everything right, everything a business is supposed to do, and this happens. I mean, my God, I would, I would, I'd be one of those stockbrokers in 1929 who jumped out of a window in New York. It's that. Mm. I, I, it's, it's maddening. It's so frustrating. And then you look at, you know, you look at a, a country like South Korea. They never even shut down, and you know, how did they do it? Why are we not emulating what they did? I don't know. Yeah, and, and here's here's where it gets compli- a little bit more complicated too. This is where it gets like a, a little bit more additionally complicated because some people they we we look at this thing and we hear they're going to try to borrow more money. And that's what everybody keeps saying, including me, is like get more lines of credit. And we hear the CEO of AMC saying selling more shares, getting more lines of credit, getting more debt, borrowing more money to keep them alive. And I get it because you got to do what you got to do. But it comes a point where Who's going to give you any more money? And like with what are, cause here's the problem, Rob, let's say you're trying to, I don't know. You're trying to, you're trying to get your shoe cobbling business going, 
Rob is like Daniel Day-Lewis, everybody. I don't know if you knew that. He likes to cobble shoes in his free time. Him and Daniel Day-Lewis. So let's say Rob's trying How'd to get- you know? <laughs> let's say he's trying to get his shoe cobbling business together. Okay. He burns through all his money. So he goes to person A and he borrows a million dollars, but he burns through that. And then he goes to person B and borrows another million dollars. And then he goes to person C and borrows another million dollars. Okay. Now he's 3 million in the hole. And now he comes to me and here's the problem I have. It's like, okay, maybe I do kind of believe in the business, but you've got three other debtors already in front of me in line. So if you start making some money, you got to pay off guy one, then you got to pay off guy two, then you got to pay off guy three. And it's just, it's just becoming harder and harder. And I think if anything, Rob, like a Wonder Woman moving, uh, free guy moving, all these movies now moving out of December, I think that just makes it even harder for AMC to find other people who are going to be willing to either buy stock or actually extend to them lines of liquidity and, and give them financing because it's getting harder and harder and harder as these things stack up. And it's, Hey, look, everybody knows I'm a, I'm all about the movie going theater experience, but I got to call, like I said, things are looking grim right now, especially if Wonder Woman moves. Question is for you guys. What do you think is going to happen with Wonder Woman? Do you think they're going to hold firm to that date? Do you agree with the deadline article that it all signs point to it moving again? And if it does move, what do you see as the repercussions? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Mike H., who writes, Hi, John and Rob. I've been watching since the AMC days. Thank you so much for that, Mike. So it looks like WandaVision has just pulled a Qui-Gon's noble end and spoiled the return of Quicksilver with a pop figure announcement, but it will apparently be Evan Peters and not Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's not true, but we'll talk about that in a second. Did they not learn from Phantom Menace? What are your thoughts? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And for those of you who are wondering, what on earth does Mike mean by Qui-Gon's noble end? So... This is infamous. Back before Phantom Menace came out, the first Star Wars movie in forever, the first of the prequels was coming out. Everybody was all excited. They put out the soundtrack, right? So the soundtrack for the movie comes out. The problem is the soundtrack for Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, had a song on it titled... No. Qui-Gon's Noble End, which was the name of the track. And so weeks before that movie came out, everybody knew, well, looks like Liam Neeson dies in there. Now, on top of that, there have been a number of incidents over the last couple of years where a toy coming out kind of reveals something from a movie. Rob, recently you and I talked about uh, Godzilla versus Kong and the fact that those toys came out at that toy fair. That showed them together on like, I think it was a uh, aircraft carrier, if I'm not mistaken. So that's been there. Well, it looks like maybe another thing kind of like that just happened. So here's what happened. Funko does all sorts of great stuff. You can see I've got a ton of Funko pops behind me. But apparently they have announced and what's come out is that they are putting out a special two pack, a WandaVision two pack in that WandaVision is going to be Vision and Quicksilver. Now, there's no images of this. There's no. Apparently, it's set to come out at the Emerald City Comic Con in 2021, and there's no images of it right now. So apparently, there's that. Now, it should be said, though, that 
whispers and talk about Aaron Taylor Johnson returning to WandaVision as Quicksilver have been around for a long time. The speculation and what the reports have been saying is that if that is true, if Aaron Taylor Johnson comes back, strong possibility it's going to be flashback scenes or just visions that Wanda has or whatever, what have you. But that is conversation and talk that's been around for a long time. Now, the Evan Peters thing that Mike mentions in his email, the Evan Peters thing comes from about, I think, last summer when it kind of got leaked out that Evan Peters was going to be appearing in the series. But the reports that came out also kind of made it pretty clear that he wasn't playing Maximoff. He wasn't playing Quicksilver. And it sounds like it's going to be Aaron Taylor Johnson. Now, Rob, we have also seen, though, you and I have both seen times where there was a toy that came out that looked like it kind of spoiled something when it really didn't. There was a, uh, a Justice League... Um, no, there was, was it a Batman versus Superman toy pack and Aquaman like it was in the Batman versus or, or something like, or no, no it was yeah. a Lex Luthor in his battle armor. That's what it was. There was a Lex Luthor in battle armor a toy included with this pack of toys of Justice League thing. And ultimately that obviously didn't turn out to, and there have been other things like that. This could just be a fun two pack for all we know. We don't know if it actually means anything. But Rob, uh, this has become a thing where toys coming out sometimes give things away. Do you think it makes sense, though, for, for us to see Quicksilver in this? And do you think we're going to see Aaron Taylor Johnson back, whether it's just flashbacks or not? Well, yes, I think it. I, I mean, look, if Wanda Maximoff goes nuts and starts warping reality like she did in the comics, which led to the House of M storyline, I think it's probably a good bet we will see Quicksilver in some kind of crazy, weird flashback hallucination dream sequence. I don't think he's going to come back and be a new character and be like, ooh, Quicksilver's back. No, it's going to be some, some she's around the bend crazy hallucination. And I think that's <laughs> cool. I, I, I think that'll be neat. I, I, I look forward to that. I don't know why anybody would think it, it, it's not uh, – the Quicksilver that we already have seen in Age of Ultron. Aaron Taylor I Johnson. Mean, well, I mean, like some people kind of speculated, like when Evan, P and I get it, like when Evan Peters' name first came up last summer, a, a lot of people jumped to the conclusion of, and, and it's understandable why you take this leap, was that, hey, X-Men are coming to the MCU. Right. Evan Peters is Quicksilver in the X-Men universe. Therefore, okay, yeah, but that misses a couple of key things. Key thing number one is those X-Men are gone. Kevin Feige isn't just taking the existing X-Men franchise and just bringing it into the MCU. It's going to be all new X-Men. It's going to be so that's why you're not getting Hugh Jack. Well, we're not getting Hugh Jackman because he's retired from the role, but I mean, that's, we're not going to see Patrick Stewart as Professor X. We're not going to see any of that. Like he's, he said, it's going to be a clean slate. So there's that. But you can kind of understand why some people would instantly make that connection. I mean, it's not the st stupidest idea in the world. Jamie Foxx coming back as Electro is a dumber idea than that. And that's happening. So, I mean, you can see why <laughs> people do that. But what, But Rob, there is – what about this? You talk a lot about – you know, the multiverse that they're going on. Obviously, the next Doctor Strange movie is called the Multiverse of Madness. Now, there is no such thing as characters being gone. Couldn't they, couldn't Wanda just open up a portal to one of the other 7,000 alternate timelines and just pluck out an Aaron Taylor Johnson Peter from that and bring him in? Is is that not a possibility? 
I mean, it is. I, I just don't think – I mean, look, they've already established with the quantum realm you can do a lot. But I don't think they're going to start doing that because I think that would diminish – it would diminish the rest of the MCU. I think they, they can't – like you say, they can't just have fake death after fake death after fake death. Uh, the loss of Quicksilver really affected – who Scarlet Witch is as a character, and I think to bring her back, or to bring him back, would not do her character any favors. Mm, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, like it would, I think it would diminish her character going forward, and clearly they're setting her up as being a big player here, so. All right, let's see what they do with that. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Is just... Maybe this is just another toy like the Lex Luthor thing that happened. It doesn't actually mean anything. Maybe this is a situation where a toy release is now kind of heralding what we've got coming up in a series. Either way, if it is Quicksilver coming back and we don't know, do you think it's just going to be flashback, a vision, if you will? Or do you think they're actually plucking him from another reality and bringing Aaron Taylor Johnson back? Who knows, guys? What do you think is happening here? Jump into the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Aaron J. And Aaron J. writes, Greetings and salutations. A bunch of people started noticing that the Justice League trailer for the HBO series, also known as the Snyder Cut, was suddenly gone, just pulled out of nowhere. There are some rumors that it had something to do with the music in the trailer. I don't know if I buy that because Warner Brothers is a massive company and I'm sure they would have done their research about what it is and isn't allowed in a trailer. Could there be some other sort of reason why the fandom, that's the DC fandom trailer, just disappeared? Thanks. All right. Thanks for sending that in. And for those of you who don't know what Aaron is talking about, yeah, it's true. Uh, I started getting noticed yesterday that the DC Phantom Justice League Snyder Cut trailer poof, it was gone, Rob. Just gone. Disappeared. Like my Leafs' chances of winning the Stanley Cup every year. Just gone. <laughs> like Brady out of the Patriots. Poof, gone. Just disappeared. And the trailer just kind of vanished into thin air. And it's true, it did. However, the rumors you are hearing about it being music-related is absolutely true. Now, the Hollywood Reporter uh, staff writer Aaron Couch wrote, uh, HBO Max has removed August's trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League over music rights issues, but it will likely go back up on YouTube once the issues are resolved. So there it is. It was music rights. Apparently, it had to do, Rob, with the Hallelujah song that they didn't actually secure the rights to use that in that trailer, and that's gone. Now, I understand... This, this initial skepticism about, really? Like, come on, Warner Brothers is a big company. Like, and don't they own like a ton of music? And can somebody really take on Warner Brothers and have mu a, a trailer taken down just because of some music issue? It's got to be something else. I get that initial skepticism, but the reality is, and this is going to be interesting. We're going to tie in this with the whole Twitch drama that's going on right now. John, what does the Snyder Cut have to do with Twitch? I'm going to tell you. People underestimate just how serious and just how powerful, like the RIAA and the body that represents music rights and copyright infringement and all kind of stuff online is. 
And believe me when I tell you that, yes, if there aren't the proper rights secured, even a company like Warner Brothers can have their trailers pulled down. It is a majorly important thing. Now, this is where some people get confused. Some people believe that you can have a YouTube video and have like, say, copywritten material in it, whether it's a, a, a video playing or that's a piece of music. And they think, oh, no, no, it's okay. I can do that because I'm not making any money off it. So therefore, I'm allowed to do that. And that's one of the biggest misnomers in all of online that people just seem to have this belief that, oh, it's okay if I'm playing, you know, if I'm playing Dota or if I'm playing, you know, Warcraft or if I'm playing, uh, you know, whatever is is the, the game right now, whether I'm pl playing Call of Duty, whatever, it's cool that I'm playing this music in the background. You're allowed to do that. I'm not making any money off of it. No, you can't. And this ties in with something really big we've been seeing in online, which is this. You guys, of course, know what Twitch is. I've I've dabbled using Twitch before. I like Twitch, as a matter of fact. I, I like Twitch. I've used it a couple times before. I, I'm it's not one of my platforms, but I've played some stuff on Twitch and it's kind of fun. But Twitch is a major, major player. And of course, for those of you who may not know what it is, it's basically like YouTube. Except it's really, really specifically for video game streamers. Uh, you can do other things on Twitch as well, but really that's where people who stream them playing video games, that's where it's done. There has been a massive seismic shift going on in the Twitch world uh, when I believe it was last week, a whole bunch of Twitch users got this notification from Twitch that basically said, hey guys, we're deleting. We're just going to go through and delete all your videos that have copyright music. And if whatever we don't get, you guys need to delete, go through and delete it. I'm, I'm oversimplifying what the message said, but basically the thing is this, you got to delete all that stuff. It, it doesn't matter if you've been streaming for five years and you've got a thousand videos, delete them because we've been getting DMCA issues. That's copyright infringement issues from the RIA and other places. And basically what's happening is this, again, I'm oversimplifying this, but basically what's happening in this, if you start getting more, you're going to get banned. And what has started happening is that some major, major players on Twitch, a lot of people thought the big major players like Crick, uh, uh, clicks wouldn't get touched, but guess what? Clicks wrote, got suddenly got a second strike. One strike away from getting banned entirely. Another one of their popular affiliate partner streamers, Squishy Muffins, boom, got banned out of nowhere. And this is a major thing. I, I tie this in with what we're talking, Rob, about Man of Steel or about uh, the, the Snyder Cut with Justice League. It's because don't believe for a second that having improperly licensed material, it doesn't matter if you're streaming you know, Fortnite, and it doesn't matter if you're Warner Brothers and you've got a major trailer for a major upcoming HBO miniseries. It does not matter. When you're doing online stuff, guys, you got to make sure not to have copywritten material in it. That's why the opening music of my show, I've licensed that music. <laughs> like, I don't just grab music and put it in my thing. I license that shit because I know it can be really, really fraught. And even somebody like Warner Brothers can get bit by it. Rob, as somebody who works online, I know this is something you're always keeping your eyes on, but it's also, you got to take, keep your eyes on things of copyright, even when you're making movies and films, right? Oh my God. I mean, 
Look, John, you yourself just went through having a lawyer tell you what you could and couldn't show in your movie. It is really important that you look at copyright. I mean, every time you play someone else's material, what people forget is when you're going online, like when we do these shows, these these shows, even if you're not uh, 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 getting super chats or you're getting tips, if you put something on YouTube and it's monetized and you have somebody else's copyright material in it, you're violating their copyright. So you have to think of it that way. So even if you're on Twitch and your stream is somehow, however it's monetized, if you're playing music on your Twitch stream, I mean, theoretically, you shouldn't even be playing a video game on Twitch. Now, I don't think they're going to, people that make video games are going to go after gamers on Twitch because. Oh, no, no. Video game developers love Twitch. Yeah, <laughs> they they're, they're, they're not going to do that, but they could. Yes. Because if you're monetizing your Twitch stream and you're showing, because here's the thing. If you were to do, say you're playing, I don't know, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5, you're still, you're playing some Grand Theft Auto 5 online. It's been what, that game's like six, seven years old now? But if you were to do something really objectionable that, that you know, you were, you were saying was, say, in, like, if you were to conjure up Satan himself on your Twitch stream while you're playing Grand Theft Auto 5. Well, maybe, you know, Rockstar Games is like, you know what, we, we really don't want to be associated with people resurrecting old scratch and bringing him up from the Stygian depths of hell. That's not what we want to be associated <laughs> with. So we're going to hit your, your Twitch stream with a takedown notice. They can do that because you don't own Grand Theft Auto V. And, and it's all about controlling their brand. I mean, it's, it's academic and people might... Yes, I was involved in making a uh, Star Trek fan film at one point that was hit with a, a, a huge lawsuit. Not me personally, but the producer of the, the the film was, and and rightfully so. You know, we didn't own Star Trek, and if you're monetizing it, uh, and that's but it what doesn't every... matter if you're monetizing it. That's that's the thing that people right, misunderstand. Well, right, but, but it doesn't even matter if you're monetizing it. No, it doesn't. But but that's why they're going after these streams because they they have to. They yeah. have to start asserting control over their own copyrights or you could lose them. Yep, that's true. So, yeah, guys, it, it, it was, listen, yes, all of a sudden out of nowhere, the thing disappeared. And by the way, there were some conspiracy theories you saw started to pop up on Twitter. It's like oh, Warner Brothers has canceled the Snyder Cut because the trailers. No, no, no. It was just a music issue. They'll get it fixed. But it goes to show you got if you're going to do anything online, guys, you got to take that stuff very, very seriously. Like Rob was even talking about, I have just spent over a month working with a lawyer, just going like just combing second by second through my documentary itself. And uh, it's something you gotta be careful of. So anyway, guys, question is, what do you think? You think we're gonna get this trailer pop back up here really nice and quick? I certainly hope that we do jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, Let's now move on and start taking your live comments and questions. How do you get a live comment and question on the show? It's really simple. Go to the description of this video and you're going to see a tip link at the very top of the description of the video, or you can enter it in manually at streamoments.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show if it's within reason. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And all of us here on the show, thank you guys very much for that. All right, let's go over. By the way, we're going to start things off here with I... We don't have super chats turned on 
on on the YouTube stream. But I do turn them on for when we do special videos like our Mandalorian spoiler discussion video. And I forgot to turn it off. So a couple people sent in super chats for the general show. So I want to address those first. Okay. Andrew Oldman writes. Connery's most underrated film, Finding Forrester. Um, Finding Forrester. Thought he was snubbed for a second Oscar nomination for that film. You know what? I, Rob, you and I talked about Finding Forrester a little bit yesterday. Yeah, we did. I I love that movie, Andrew. I, I really do like it. I don't think he got snubbed. Like, he was great in it, but I don't think he got snubbed for an Academy Award nomination. But it was certainly a great one, and uh, one that if people have not seen... You absolutely should take Andrew's advice here and check it out if you've not watched the Sean Connery film Finding Forrester. All right. Uh, next up, Av Cali writes, hey, John, I recently saw a movie called The Abyss directed by James Cameron. Yes, Avatar's James Cameron. It was amazing. Had no idea it's such an old movie and has a powerful message at the end. I feel this is a movie that should be rebooted in today's times rob i know you love the abyss first of all generally what do you think about the abyss and do you think that's a movie that maybe they should look at rebooting okay first of all hell no they shouldn't re reboot that movie uh, i recently re-watched the uh, director's cut of that film what a beautifully made film uh what a beautiful film in general and uh, it's one of, uh, in my mind, it's it's a masterpiece. And what James Cameron was able to accomplish with that film is is amazing. And by the way, why the hell is that film not available on Blu-ray or 4K disc? Come on, Jimmy, get it out for us. We all want to see it. You know, I know you're going to the bottom of the ocean on Pandora, but come on, man. <laughs> Let's see some of the abyss. I need that in HD. I, I need some HD Cameron goodness. Uh, why Lightstorm has not released True Lies, The Abyss, or the Soderbergh remake of Solaris or Strange Days, which I have two of those from German uh, from Germany on Blu-ray. But it's amazing to me. The Abyss is one of the most astonishing achievements in action cinema ever. And you can't get it in HD unless you're watching a, a, a weird version on cable that's not in the right aspect ratio. It's so weird. I love Our The Abyss. I know that you do. All right, let's move on here. Uh, we're going to go over now, and we're going to take this one from uh, JC. Uh, JC is my girlfriend's hall pass, who writes, No spoilers here. Watch your Mando Season 1, Episode 1 discussion. You probably mean Season 2, Episode 1 discussion. Suddenly it clicked. Prediction. The child is Yadel's immaculate conception created by the Force at the same time as Anakin to bring true balance. Uh, roughly the same age, Force siblings. Nah, I, I, I don't buy that at all. And, and the reason I don't buy that at all is, number one, it's just in interconnecting everything too much. But the other reason I don't buy it is because... They've already explained what it was that brought balance to the force. Anakin was the guy who brought balance to the force uh, in in his, you know, what he did at the end of Return of the Jedi. Now, that doesn't mean everything stays wonderful and happy forever after. Things can go wrong again. But he was the one that brought balance to the force. So I, I don't think so. I, I think they're going to go a little bit more obscure with that. And he's literally just another thing. Rob, do you think there's any chance here? That we're looking at an immaculate conception idea and that he's he's going to be connected to Yadel somehow. No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Just that simple. Just no. no, no, not going to do that. All right, let's move on here. Uh, next up, Jacob writes. 
You say Justice League versus Suicide Squad wouldn't be a possibility, but look at something like The Boys. Hasn't that already proved that this could be a possible that this could be possible if handled in a certain way? I don't think so. I think because you know, The Boys is a completely different thing. The Boys isn't The Boys versus the Seven. The Boys is about people who stay hidden in the underground, sneak around, and just try to expose them. I mean, really, in two seasons of The Boys, I think they've killed one soup, which which was translucent. I think they like kill one. It's not the boys versus because you hear a movie called, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. You better see Godzilla and Kong fight. You see a movie called Batman v Superman. You better have some Batman fighting Superman. Uh, The boys is certainly not the boys versus the seven. That's a fight that lasts 10 seconds. It doesn't even last 10 seconds. I mean, hell, in season two, they had an episode where you had most of the boys in the house and just Black Noir walked in and Black Noir is going to kill them all. I mean, that's just it. So, no, I I don't think you can compare the boys uh, to like a Justice League versus Suicide Squad situation. I think it's different. Now, that's not to say it's impossible I just think it's really unlikely, but I don't think it's impossible to make a Justice League versus Suicide Squad movie. I just think it's so outside of the realm of that universe's reality that it just kind of seems silly to me. All right. Boba Fett writes, I started replaying Uncharted, A Thief's End, and I see why they'd cast Tom Holland as a young Nathan Drake. I still wish we'd get a separate set of movies with Nathan Fillion. He's older now, but with CG and stunt doubles, it could be great. One can only dream. See, here's the thing, Boba. And Rob, I've said this before. I love Nathan Fillion. I mean, good good Canadian kid. I love Nathan Fillion. But you don't mold the character to fit the actor. I've said this all the time. The characters are there to serve the story, not the other way around. And actors are there to serve the character, not the other way around. So if you have to start doing, well, let's change things so we can have this actor play the role, then I think that's going in the wrong direction. Although, did you see that short they put out on YouTube with uh, Nathan Fillion as as Nathan Drake? And yeah. I think, uh, wasn't that Stephen Lang that was playing Sully in it too? I mean, that was yeah. fun though, right? Like, what was- do you think? Do you think they could pull that off somehow? Well, they could, but they're not going to. <laughs> I mean, mm. the thing is, you know, Tom Holland is a movie star. Uh, unfortunately, Nathan Fillion's a TV star, and you need you need a, 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 a you need an actor that's going to to appeal to all the exciting young people that they're going to go to the theater, and and I think that uh, Tom Holland is going to do that. And by the way, that picture they released of him. As Nathan Drake, when he's kind of a low angle shot, oh, it's he looks a great. great. Shot. He looks great. I mean, yeah. My whole thing is that to me, Nathan Drake was in his mid thirties. He was he was Indiana Jones. You know, literally, he was like Indiana Jones. And I I think it's odd that they went younger. And I I think Tom Holland's going to look like he's eighteen when he's forty, um, like Daniel Radcliffe probably will. But I think it was a good choice. And I look, man, I'm looking forward to this movie. I think it's going to be good. But I agree. I agree. I'm looking forward to it, too. I, yeah. I think I, I've got high hopes for it. All right. Uh, next up, Shadow Jester writes, I highly doubt it's not Boba Fett. Like you said, Boba was an unaltered clone. All the others had rapid aging. And last time we saw Rex, Ahsoka was still teenage with Dawson. Well, that's that's not true. We saw more of him later um, with uh, Dawson. I'd have to say it's been at least 15 years. They're all dead besides Boba. Well, you know, Rob, that was a discussion you and I were having yesterday. You you still thought 
believe that there's a chance that, you know, uh, Morrison, who we saw at the end of Mandalorian season two, episode one, you you thought there's a chance, not just a chance. You actually don't think he is Boba Fett. You think he's one of the clones. Um, you've had 24 hours to think about that. You still you still on that? You still think he's he's not Boba Fett? Look, man. If 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 I was Boba Fett and lost my armor on Tatooine and or I, I escaped from the Sarlacc and and somehow lost my armor uh, and I was a Mandalorian or whatever, I I would I would not hang out on a desert world for like eight years, wandering. You know, I would get the hell off, get the hell out of Dodge. I would go find the Slave One because remember, just because you fell in the Sarlacc pit, your ship's somewhere. You know, you might you go back to Jabba's headquarters. Only the sail barge blew up. The slave one had to be around. You could just walk back, hitch a ride, and uh, uh, take the slave one back and go go uh, start a new business. You don't need your Mandalorian armor. What are you doing walking the Earth or walking Tatooine? You know, like a cane in Kung Fu. No, <laughs> you, you get out of there. It doesn't make any sense that he's hanging around. And if I he knew, I'm telling you, it's not him. I totally believe it's him. I, I I believe there's a possibility it's not, because, but I, I think Shadow Chester raises a good point. I, this is, I don't think that's how the clones work, but we'll find out. I think we'll find out this season what's going on with that. All right, next up. Uh, JC is my girlfriend's hall pass writes, I meant season two, episode one discussion. Oh, I got that. Don't worry about that. I'm never going to hold back my predictions again, though. Uh, looks like I called the Spider-Man Venom thing a while back, typed it all up, was going to send it. Now seems accurate, but that was extremely long. Uh, that's what she said. Well, yeah, but you got to remember, JC, there were literally millions of people who thought Venom and Spider-Man were ultimately going to cross over. I, I was not one of them. I was not one of them, but millions of people did. And by the way, we still don't know for sure that they are crossing over in any way, shape or form. It looks like they are. But as of right now, we don't know if that they are. So it's something we got to keep our eyes on for sure. All right. Uh, Boba Fett also writes, I recently bought the Office Complete Series box on Blu-ray because I refuse to pay for another streaming service. I have Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, and money isn't exactly flowing in right now. Uh, do you have Peacock or will you be buying the discs as well? I just I don't buy physical discs. I, I stopped buying physical discs a long time ago. I mean, there have been a few exceptions here and there over the past five or six years. But between the fact that they get lost, they get damaged, they get stolen, they take up physical space in your in your place, I, I just have no use for physical discs. That's just me personally. Uh, I do have Peacock, but you can get Peacock for free. That That's the interesting – I still hate that name. But, Rob, that's one of the interesting things about Peacock is that they, they're doing, unlike uh, the other services, they're doing this multi-tiered approach where, hey, listen, if you're cool with commercials – you can watch the vast majority of Peacock for free. As a matter of fact, I downloaded and uh, I installed Peacock on my uh, Google TV and Ann and I, and it's Ann's first time watching Battlestar Galactica, the uh, Ronald E. Moore thing. So we've been going through that all free. So that's the really cool thing about that. Uh, and Rob, you still have never watched The Office, have you? <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. I have not. I have never seen an episode of of the American version of The Office. Right. Hey, listen, and I was one of those people that kind of wasn't watching the American version at first. I'm like, it'll never be as good as uh, you know Ricky Gervais's version. 
I actually think it's better. I know that's not the cool thing to say, but the American so version cool. is uh, the American version is better. Now, of course, Ricky Gervais had a lot to do with that. Ricky Gervais was also the executive producer of the American version, so it's all Ricky Gervais either way. But uh, that's such a great one of these days, Rob. We got to sit down and watch that. All right, next up, um, Sir uh, Sir Ivan Bennett writes. I know you love Magneto. I absolutely do. So you should check out Sideshow One Six Scale Magneto figure. Check it out at this link. Yeah, I I um, somebody. I think you wrote this exact same thing in yesterday. Magneto Rob is actually. I think you know this. Magneto is my all-time, not just favorite villain, Magneto is my all-time favorite comic book character, period. He is my favorite character. And uh, have you seen this this sideshow Magneto that he's talking about? I have, and it's tasty. And, oh, I have no uh, doubt. You know, they, they, they do, sideshow does, you know, they make licensed figures from movies and TV with likenesses, and then they do characters where they extrapolate on the comic books and that's one of those extrapolations on on the comic books and they do such a good job uh i would love to get that figure but if i if i if i started branching out john i would have no money i'd be destitute on the sidewalk surrounded <laughs> by my plastic pals so i can't buy them all all right. Next up, Kyle Schroeder writes, I just had a conversation with Zevia's uh, sales and marketing department. I told them about you and that you have given them so much exposure. Hopefully it leads to sponsorship. Good luck. I encourage other viewers to do what I did too. Echoes are powerful. Yeah. Uh, Zevia, sponsor me, you stupid sons of bitches. Yep. I, uh, I think more people, I think I have single-handedly, the amount of people who have written into me said, John, I tried Zevia Cola. I, I, I am convinced I have sold more cans of Zevia Cola, Rob, than the, the president of marketing of the damn company. Give me the president's job. Just give me president of marketing at Zevia Cola today, or at least send me some more. For, but I, I got to be fair. You know what? Zevia has sent me some free cases of soda before. Only twice, the cheap sons of bitches. But but they have sent me some free <laughs> cases of soda before. Uh, I got. What can I say? I, I kind of like it. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Kyle. I appreciate that. Next up, uh, Zayn writes. Hey, John and Rob, I was just wondering, what are the chances of Mando team convincing directors such as Clint Eastwood to direct an episode or two in the future? I would worship Favreau if they're able to attract someone like him, prestige, Western guy, one could dream. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, look, Rob, you and I were just waxing poetic the other day about how great Clint Eastwood is. I mean, he's great. And as he might be. I'll say it. He's an even better director than he is an actor. I'll say it. I don't care. But I think getting a director is also a lot like when you're casting an actor. Yes. Number one priority, get great talent. That's the first priority. But then consider the question of fit. In some ways, you're right. I mean, who better to do a Western then the the king of westerns, Clint Eastwood himself, who also starred in and directed, I believe, the greatest western of all time in Unforgiven, is it? Would he be good for the Star Wars universe, though? I mm, I'm not sure, but man, I tell you what, I'd be lying, Rob, if I didn't tell you that an announcement of a Clint Eastwood coming to direct one or two episodes of a Mandalorian that that didn't get me excited. I mean, I'd be lying about. It. I don't know. What would you think about that sort of pairing? Bruh, come <laughs> on. Um, I mean, already it, 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 the Mandalorian's kind of got an unforgiven vibe. Although, you know, I, I, Clint Eastwood's ninety. <laughs> I can see him ninety-two. Going, I think. Uh, I mean, like, uh, I, I could just see Clint Eastwood going. So, uh, 
this Mandalorian character, uh, <laughs> what's it all about? Uh, uh, did he fire six shots or only five? I, you know, I, 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 I just, does Clint know what Star Wars is? You know, no, I, 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 I love Clint Eastwood. I think he'd be great. But you know what? I mean, I know he's 90, but if he's going to direct an episode, he better well be in one. Yeah, I mean, oh they can have Nick God. Nolte do the voice of, you know, this is the way. Uh, <laughs> come on. They got to have okay. Clint as some old Mandalorian warrior, you know? <laughs> okay, I'm in. You sold me. I'm completely on board with that. I'm 100% on board with that. All right, Willow writes, I'll take Latitz now. Oh, I know. This is the, the Jeopardy thing. I'll take Latitz now for 800. That's let it snow. No, it's not. It's a French expression. Bonjour, mademoiselle. I'd like to see the tits now. Uh, one of the great Sean Connery lines that wasn't actually said by the real Sean Connery. If you guys don't know, I would probably contend, Rob, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about here, but the greatest, not single sketch, but single greatest series of sketches to me all time you know, better than what up with that or church lady or even Wayne's world is Will Smith's celebrity jeopardy where Will Smith plays Alex Trebek. And I cannot remember the name of which of the cast members did Sean Connery, but they did Sean Connery almost every single time they did it. And every time it was funnier than the last. And it was always just, on just oh it was so I'm, I'm trying not to just fall out of my chair right now thinking about some of the things i can't even repeat some of the things that they said and it's like uh <laughs> uh sean you haven't given an answer your mother's a whore i mean just out of nowhere <laughs> i mean it's just it was one of the greatest tributes of all time to sean Carter. rob did you ever see those did you ever see any of those celebrity jeopardies Oh yeah, dude, they're hilarious. I and and when Sean Connery passed away, uh, who who played Connery? He tweeted out, um, "Was it Daryl? Wasn't Daryl Hammond? Oh, was I it? think it was Daryl Hammond. Actually, yes, Daryl Hammond. Yeah. He yeah, he tweeted out how much he loved playing Connery. Those Connery celebrity Jeopardy things are hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it is some of the best shit i've ever seen like between that connery and i'm trying to remember the 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 uh, the tall guy who did burt reynolds who played burt reynolds on the show um, oh yeah that's um um oh it was in dirty deeds or something like that. He was, uh, yeah. and he had his own uh, he had his own talk show and i'm forgetting that guy's name if you guys remember in the uh thing in the live chat who did um burt reynolds norm mcdonald thank yeah. you guys it was norm mcdonald uh, Turd Ferguson, because he wrote the name. But you're, you're, but yeah, yeah, but uh, call me Turd Ferguson. It's funny. Huh. It's it just, his Burt Reynolds is awesome. Seriously. If you, I'm, as soon as this show is over now, I'm going to hop on online and just look up all those celebrity Jeopardies. If you haven't seen any of the celebrity Jeopardies, guys, go look them up because they are absolutely hilarious. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tony Rodriguez writes, quick question. Whatever happened to the number one question finder, Geeky Gator? He totally fell off the map. Or is he rotating through new secret identities? LOL. I eagerly await for the return of the king of the questions. I think Geeky, well, what happened was, so we had this, we've got this user, Geeky Gator, who like consistently wrote in really good topics. Here's what Geeky Gator did. When a big piece of news drops, like, Batman, Ben Affleck returning as Batman, right? We'll get about 75 to 150 submissions about that topic. And of course, I can only pick one. Mm -hmm. 
What Geeky Gator would always do, one of our users, was he would always find the number two or number three piece of news, and he'd be like one of the only one or two people who would write in about that other news and asked a really good question about it. So what would happen is at least once or twice a week, you'd see Geeky Gators, one of Geeky Gators submissions being selected as one of our questions. And some people just who some people got upset at that. So I think Geeky Gator finally just started changing his name. I think he just changed his name in the uh, thing there. So that's what probably happened to him there. All right, next up, Alan writes, Hey, John and Rob, I recently signed up for Disney Plus and I love The Mandalorian. Uh, we were introduced to the Darksaber last season and was wondering how likely you think it is that we will see a lightsaber versus Darksaber duel at some point this season or in the future. We talked about this the other day, Rob. I, I still look, I don't know that they're not going to do it this season. It's possible. I, but if you ask me what I think, I don't think we will this season. Uh, I, I have my doubts that we ever will. But I don't think we're going to see a lightsaber versus darksaber duel this season. I just don't think that's what uh, Favreau is aiming for or what Favreau has in mind. It, it is still possible. Just because I'm saying I don't think it is, that doesn't mean it's impossible. It's still possible, but I don't think we are. Rob, what do you think the chances are? I think, you know what? There are always possibilities. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I look, I, I think that we're going to see anything that you possibly think is going to happen on the show probably will be because they're thinking along those lines. So except except for Morrison being Boba Fett. Well, I, I, I just I just think that I think that they're going to tie it in more to uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels. I, I, because they've already done a lot of that. And I think we're going to see more along those lines. Uh, that's why, I mean, I, I, I keep saying, I mean, but that's what I think is going to happen that they're going right. to tie it more into current star Wars mythology, which I think is pretty cool actually. All right. Next up, we got star Wars rocks rights. Hey, John, with the recent news about Johnny Depp's case's conclusion, uh, do you see Warner Brothers firing him but keeping Ezra Miller, or will they fire both of them? Well, I mean, I think it's what I said yesterday, and I still believe, what I believe Warner Brothers is going to do, and for those of you who missed it, um, the Johnny Depp's libel case against a newspaper in England that basically reported all the allegations against him from Amber Heard and referred to him as a wife beater and it Johnny Depp sued them for libel. And that case concluded yesterday after months, months of evidence, months of testimony, months of, of stuff. And not only did Johnny Depp lose the case, the judge in the case also made a statement saying that uh, the court finds that all of Amber Heard's accusations against him are substantively true. Uh, and they even use the word proven, even though that's not what they had to do. I, what I think is going to happen is this. Johnny Depp has another case pending in the United States, in the courts in the United States. And I think Warner Brothers is going to do nothing until that case happens. Once the American case happens, I think if that court finds the same, comes to the same conclusions that the British court did after seeing, you know, all the evidence and all the testimony, you got to remember guys, us in the public, we saw like 5% 
of it. Like the, the, that one Reddit thread you read. Yeah, there was literally months and months of evidence and testimony in the court, and we get to see about 5% of it. But if an American court finds the same that the British court did and says, yeah, all the evidence says the deputy did all the things you were being accused of, I think Warner Brothers will then very easily probably get rid of Depp. If, however, an American court comes to a different conclusion and says, uh, we think these accusations against court uh, against uh, Depp were unfounded, then I think that gives Warner Brothers an opportunity to keep Depp on if they want. So it, I, I really think it's all about, and again, we went into this for a half hour on yesterday's show, so I'll just stop it at that just to say, I don't think Warner Brothers is going to decide what to do with Johnny Depp until the American case happens. That's my guess. If I were Warner Brothers, that's what I would do. I would wait to see what happens to the American trial, and then we'd move on from there. That's my thought at any rate. All right, next up. Uh, Big Gus's gas station blog dot fart writes, what are your thoughts on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I've only ever heard you talk about doing some visual effects for it, but do you think it was a good movie? No, sir. It was not a good movie. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> It uh, it was not a good movie, Rob. I remember in the, those th this was years ago, but when I was working at that company, I was working at a visual effects company, and we had got our first batch of movies, like real Hollywood movies that we were working on, because uh, for the most part we were doing local commercials and things like that, and then we got you know contracted to do some bigger stuff, and one of them was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We did the shot. Our company did the shot of the Invisible Man being on fire. That was the shots. When you see the Invisible Man on fire running around, that was our our company did that. Um, and we did a couple of other pretty bad <laughs> bad ones, but no, make no mistake about it. That is the type of movie I would love. But League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, unfortunately, was really not good. Rob, I don't know that you and I have ever actually talked about the movie. I I don't know. Maybe did you like it? Do you think it's an underappreciated gem? Maybe. What do you think of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Uh uh, well, I'm a huge Alan Moore acolyte, and uh, I I don't think it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love the original comics. I dearly love the original comics, but the movie not so much. Yeah, not too so much. Great idea. There's all the groundwork is there for something really good, but they just weren't able to execute. It's really a shame Sean Connery passed on Gandalf so he could do that. All right, uh, Ryan Loner writes. I'm just enough of a troll to think it would be hilarious if Boba Fett just randomly shows up at the end of every single episode saying and doing nothing and it never goes any further than that. Okay, listen, I'll tell you what, Ryan, I think that would be the I think that would make John Favreau the greatest executive in television history if they did that. If every single episode of this season's Mandalorian ends with the final shot and then a camera pans and there's Morrison just standing there, doesn't say or do anything, and then walks off camera. If they end every single episode that way, I will think that is the greatest thing I've ever seen on TV. I don't think it's likely, but I think it would be the greatest thing I've ever seen on TV. All right, next up, uh, Mac, Head Mac Headroom writes, which remake will come first? Highlander, Friday the 13th, or The Crow? Well, that's a good question. They already did uh, a Friday the 13th remake. Rob, you remember a bunch of years ago, uh, the guy from Supernatural, Jared Padalecki, he starred in that. Uh, obviously, uh, a girl I know, uh, Freder uh, America Frederick. Oh, look at that. Ooh. And you know what? The that deluxe edition. Is, that remake is in this box. 
Oh, the remake is in there too. Yes, it is. Every Friday, you know, the Freddy versus Jason. I'm telling you, man. Look at that. That's a beautiful box. I know. <laughs> I mean, I look at it. The painting, the artwork on it is is done with such love and respect. You gotta love that it. That is a gorgeous box. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that's what I, she said. <laughs> All right. Highlander. And now, of course, Highlander, they tried. It was supposed to, the guy from John Wick still says he's doing it, but it's been years. Ryan Reynolds was literally attached for about three years to play Connor McCloud in a Highlander remake. It never came to fruition. They keep saying, and the crow, well, we know how cursed the crow is. They've literally gone through four lead actors that have come and gone, three sets of directors. The movie still never happens. I think the most recent of which was Jason Momoa. And then, so, and he's gone. Luke Evans was supposed to play him at some point. Uh, the guy who played, um, the guy who just recently played Ben-Hur in the Ben-Hur remake. And he was in Boardwalk Empire. And now I can't remember the actor's name, but that he was attached to be the new crow at one point. I mean, it's just gone through so many people. Uh, you know what? The director still says he's going to do a Highlander remake. I think the first one we're going to see next is the Highlander. I think that Rob, if you had to take a guess, Highlander, Friday the 13th or the crow, which remake are we going to see first? I think I'm with you. I think Highlander, because I think, you know, there, there's been a Friday the 13th remake and I think that horror is not in a slasher mode right now. The Crow is just simply cursed and nobody who needs another Crow remake. The first Crow is so good. And uh, uh, I, I I think it's going to be Highlander. I agree. And by the way, a shout out to Amy in the live chat. I, Amy wrote in for the name. I was looking for the name of the actor, Jack Houston, Jack Houston was uh, the guy who starred in the Ben-Hur remake, and he was lined up at some point to play the crow. So thank you to Amy for that. All right, next up, uh, John Klobuchar writes, what do you call four bullfighters in quickstand? Quattro Cinco. I'll, I'll give you a little drum hit for that one, John. I'll give you a little drum hit for that one. Uh, Bucky Rocks writes, gang, Epics Pennyworth, all about Alfred's badassery in the UK in the 1960s, plus some Bruce Wayne or uh, 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 Thomas Wayne. A lethally awesome show. Also, if you enjoyed period martial arts shows, Warrior on Stars, Irishman Cops, Asian Gangs, and Babes in San Francisco in the late 1870s. Listen, Pennyworth, Rob, I don't know if you ever got around to watching any Pennyworth, but Pennyworth. I watched the pilot and I kind of dug it, dude. Yeah, here's what they did with Pennyworth. Okay, so Pennyworth, for those who don't know, Pennyworth is literally a show about a young Alfred from Batman. It's a young Alfred show, which is a very stupid sounding idea for a show. But but it's an epic show. I don't have epics. But what they did was, I think they released the first three or four episodes when it first came out. They allowed Amazon Prime members to have access to it for the first three or four episodes. And I really liked it. I really liked Pennyworth. But I was not about to get another streaming service for one show. I And so I never did finish Pennyworth. By the way, I have no idea either whatever happened to Pennyworth. I don't know if they ever did a season two. I just have no idea. I completely, it fell off my radar. 
After I watched the first set of episodes on Amazon Prime, and I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't about to sign up for another service, but but you saw the first, you saw the pilot, Rob? What what did you think about it? What do you remember about it? I, I liked it. I mean, it, you know, it's a spy show. It's kind of a period show. It was, it was interesting, intriguing. It was, I thought it was well done, but, you know, I, I thought it was going to be garbage. So my expectations were already lowered, and maybe the fact that it was reasonably competent, and I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I just think that, you know, it's I, I objected to the whole idea of the show, to be honest. I mean, come on, Alfred Pennyworth. Like, I get it. Like, he, if, if Jeremy Irons version of Alfred is awesome. And I believe that that was the, the Alfred from the show. But the Alfred that I've known my whole life was not some badass agent of the queen. It was just <laughs> the whole idea of it was sort of wacky. Well, but, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I don't mind the idea, though, of, of a bad like a, a former badass military badass, because you're talking about the guy who raises Bruce Wayne. That's true. And so I, I do kind of I dig that. I got to say, I, I'm not a big fan of the of the show Gotham that just finished its run. Yeah. I thought it was the show was hit and miss when it was a show about Jim Gordon. It was a good show when it was a Batman show. It wasn't very good at all. But the one thing I continuously loved about the show was I don't remember the actor's name or I don't know if I ever knew the actor's name, but their iteration of Alfred. I loved their iteration of Alfred. I, th I thought he was a really good. I'm not going to say the all time best. I'm I still I'm pretty partial to Michael Caine, but I'm not saying that. But I really enjoyed that iteration of Alfred. And it's uh, and, and that's one of the things I loved about Pennyworth, too, was that it didn't try to be a Batman show. Right. Like the promise of Gotham was we're going to be a show about what about Gotham City before there was Batman and about this cop who's not a commissioner yet, who's trying to hold this city together. When Gotham was about that, it sung. Like it totally sung and hit every note. But they quickly gave way to the pressure of, look, everybody, that little girl becomes Poison Ivy. Ooh, look, everybody, young Bruce Wayne's wearing a cape. <gasps> did you know he becomes Batman? And they just did it so much that I just, I eventually just, just I didn't even watch the final season. I was just this is this is turned into to shite and I just gave up on it and whatever. But the Alfred Pennyworth character is one I continue to be fascinated by. All right. Dark Knight Rises writes. Um, hi, John. Just wanted to pass on my sentiments for the loss of Sean Connery. In my mind, he is the standard by which all James Bonds will be measured. Also, just a heck of an icon. Uh, absolutely. And Rob, I often talk about when talking about James Bond to me. Not many people have played Bond. To me, there have always been two, the two primary pillars, the two archetypes, if you will, of what James Bond is. There is the Roger Moore, who to me represented the suave Bond. You know what I mean? And then there was Sean Connery, who represented the badass Bond. And sure, there was some badassness in Roger Moore and absolutely some suave in, in um, Sean Connery. But to me, they were the two defining pillars, which is why I kind of really love Daniel Craig. Because to me, Daniel Craig is the first Bond that kind of became the the co combination of those two. You know, you had Pierce Brosnan, which I always thought kind of more modeled himself on the Roger Moore Bond and mm. things like that. But yeah, Connery is just 
you, you think of him and you think Bond. What was he? I never asked. As a big Bond guy, was he your favorite Bond? Connery was always my favorite Bond because I saw Connery first. And the thing about Connery is, is you know, you believed he could beat the heck out of somebody if he needed to. He was rough and tumble and physical. And, you know, to me, Roger Moore, while he got in some scraps, it looked like he always belonged in, in a dinner party more than, you know, fighting supervillains in their lairs. Although, I, I mean, I my first Bond in the theater was The Spy Who Loved Me, which I thought was epic. And I loved Roger Moore in that film. And he just I, – I never felt – Roger Moore was ever totally comfortable as James Bond, whereas to me, Sean Connery was just effortless. You know, mm. I believed he was a naval officer. I believed that Connery would 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 could walk in a room and mess you up, whereas Roger Moore, I always thought, would feel bad if he hit you in the face. <laughs> All right, let's move on here. Uh, Aaron writes. Hey, John, Evan Peters is meant to be in WandaVision, and they haven't said what role. They're keeping it uh, They're keeping it under secret. I have a feeling it could be Quicksilver. Again, I listen, any, again, we live in a world where Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman and Jamie Foxx is going to be playing Electro again, okay? We live in that world. In that world, anything is possible. However, just because something is possible does not mean it is likely. Like I said a little bit earlier on the show, I, I get – that assumption, I under, it's not a dumb thing to, to jump to that conclusion. Not at all. It's understandable. Evan Peters was Quicksilver in the X-Men universe. X-Men are coming over into the MCU. But the reason why it's highly unlikely is because it's the X-Men that we know from the Fox movies is not the X-Men we're getting in the MCU. Kevin Feige creates his own stuff. Kevin Feige is not going to be bringing over all, you know, James McAvoy and all those Michael Fassbender. That's those aren't the X-Men that are coming. The understanding that uh, I think Evan Peters, he's more than just Quicksilver. So I, I do not think I don't know. I don't know he's not Quicksilver, but again, you have to understand there's also been a lot of talk about the fact that Kickass is going to come back and play Quicksilver again. So I, I really don't think he's going to be, I just, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't line up with anything that we know that he's that, but again, we live in a world where Jamie Foxx is coming back to play Electro again. So who knows? All right. An anonymous viewer writes, Hey guys, what do you think about Tom Holland's performance in Devil All the Time? Do you see him as a character actor? Rob, I finally got around to watching Devil All the Time. I don't know if you had a chance to do so yet. Yep. You did. Okay, so here, here's my uh, – you and I haven't talked about it, so let me tell you what my thoughts were and you tell me. Number one, what everybody said about Tom Holland being fantastic in that movie, dead on. Dead on. I, I – quite frankly, I thought people maybe had been exaggerating a bit. I, I like Tom Holland. I know he's good, but he was exceptional. I mean, he was really, he showed some sides to him. I, I didn't know he was capable of yet. And I really liked him in it. Didn't really like the movie. I, I, I thought it was, I saw what it was going for. I saw what its ambitions were. I understood the tone it was going for. I got it. It just didn't work for me. You know, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't awful. I just, eh, I thought it was pretty flat with a couple of terrific performances. That one scene in the church with Pat, uh, Rob Pattinson and Tom Holland, I'm like, it, it, it honestly made me, gave me, it gave me um, echoes of the lighthouse with Robert Pattinson and, um, 
who was in the lighthouse with Robert Pattinson again? Uh, William Defoe. Yeah. Uh, it gave me it gave me echoes of scenes between that. Uh, totally different characters. But that, so I love the performances in the movie. I just didn't really like the movie. No, I think Tom Holland is a is going to be and is already a legitimate leading man. I I really do. So I don't see him as a character actor. Rob, how do you, especially after watching Devil all the time? What do you think? No, I think he's a leading man. I mean, he can be a character actor, but he, I think he's going to grow up and be a leading a leading man. I really do. I, but yeah. I think that's you know, great actors are versatile. They can, they can, they can step into leading roles. And I think to be a character actor is, is to have a lifelong career as opposed to, you know, how long can a leading man status last for one, one actor, but being able to be versatile and, and move effortlessly. Uh, I think Willem Dafoe does that really, really well. He can be a leading man or he can be the green goblin, you know? Well, we've been uh, talking about Sean Connery. You know, yeah, he's absolutely a leading man. But then some of those iconic movies we talked about, The Rock, uh, Untouchables, uh, Highlander, he can easily step in in a supporting role and completely elevate a movie in a supporting role too. So that's another great example of somebody who can lead it and also be in a supporting role and elevate the material. That's a great example. All right, next up, Froygon Jin writes. I like that name. Froygon Jin writes. Uh, where is it at? Just heard that Ted Lasso was picked up for a third season. We talked about it on the show last week. Uh, so glad I watched season one based on your recommendation. Not just a Jason Sudeikis vehicle. The secondary characters are as well developed as Lasso. Great drama mixed with comedy. Guys, I'll tell you what. I love stumbling across something and being pleasantly surprised by it. Like it's one thing when Mandalorian's coming and I'm all excited for Mandalorian. I can't wait to watch Mandalorian and it, it, it meets your expectations. That's great. But there's something really special when you just offhand give something a chance, you don't expect much out of it and you end up being floored by it. Ted Lasso, uh, the Jason Sudeikis show that's on Apple TV plus to me is absolutely one of those shows. I just fell in love with it. It's just, just a charming, it's not, it's not breaking bad. It's not sons of anarchy, but it's this charming little half hour situational comedy that just has such heart and such laughs. Go give it a shot. Take Froygon Jin's advice and give that one a shot. It's really, really fun. All right. K major writes top three Connery films. First night, Dragonheart, The Rock, King, Dragon, Badass, X-Con. He did it all. Yeah, listen, and First Night, Rob, that's not one we talked about. We didn't bring up First no. Night that he did with Richard Gere and the girl who like owned Hollywood for like two years and then disappeared. She starred in Sabrina, and I'm forgetting the actress's name, but I'll, I'll bring that up in a second. But he started with Richard Gere, played King Arthur. Um, not a great movie. But it always had a special place. I always liked First Night. What What do you think about it? It was fun. You know, I didn't think it was great. To me, I, I judge everything by Excalibur. So if it's not Excalibur, it's just okay. If it's not Excalibur, <laughs> it's just okay. That's so right. So saith Robert Meyer Burnett. And by Julia Ormond, by the way, Julia Ormond. Oh, and I see right. some people, uh, Raymond also wrote it, Julia Ormond. Man, Julia Ormond. Hold a second. Let me... Let me bring this up here. There was a period of time, for those of you who don't know who, are, who I'm talking about, if you, if you can't put a name to it, that's Julia Ramond. There was a, a couple of years, I think from like 94 or 93 to like 96, 
where she was like the new Julia Roberts. Like she was, she, she was like the actress for a couple of years of a window where she was the actress, Sabrina. I with Harrison Ford. I freaking love that movie. Legends of the fall. Uh, of course, and we talked about first night where she got to be the leading lady with Richard Gere and Sean Connery. And then Rob, all of a sudden she disappeared. Like she was the hottest actress in Hollywood for this little window. And then poof, gone. Like Tom Brady from the New England Patriots, just gone. <laughs> and she's been reemerging. She's she's been reemerging uh lately. But yeah, I love Julia Armand. I, I love her. I think she's great. Uh anyway, okay. Let's go. Let's keep rolling here. Um, K Major also writes, did you see the clip of Rambo in the Mortal Kombat games? Good Lord, they're awesome. I have not. But Rob, that's something they've been doing with Mortal Kombat lately. They've been bringing in all these iconic, they put Terminator in the Mortal Kombat yeah. game. And I think they put Spawn in it. And their recent one they just did was Rambo, which of course they put Rambo in a Mortal Kombat game. But no, I haven't seen the clips for it. Have you seen it yet, Rob? Uh, no. But I'm in. Count yeah. me in. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds intriguing. So of course you put Rambo in that. Of course you do. All right. Well, I mean, I, I, I because you know what is it, what I love is when people understand the ramifications of what they're doing, and in a Mortal Kombat game, you can't help but think of who should fight who. And I mean, and why wouldn't you want to have John Rambo in there to fight the Terminator? Why not? Of course, that's actually that's a movie they probably could have done. Put in John Matrix, Schwarzenegger's character from Commando. If he's not already in there, because you've got, I mean, you got Schwarzenegger in there already. Why not? Yeah, All right. Put it in there. Let's move on. Preston the Kryptonian writes, some other actors that belong in Valhalla are Kevin Costner and Mel Gibson. I mean, those guys were hardworking. They still are and have a rich resume to have starred in and directed. Even one movie in life is nothing to sneeze at. Anyways, have a great Tuesday. Yeah, listen, what my thoughts are on Kevin Costner are well-documented. I think Kevin Costner is an underrated Hollywood figure, both as a director and as an actor. Uh, somewhere along the lines, after Dances with Wolves, Kevin, I don't know, it became cool to underestimate Kevin Costner. I don't know why, but it just became fashionable to underestimate Kevin Costner after Dances with Wolves, and I don't know why. Uh, Mel Gibson, Rob, you and I have talked about him as a director specifically on this show a lot. I mean, whatever you think of him, the dude is a remarkable director. And uh, I like both these guys. Your, your quick thoughts on Costner and, uh, and Gibson. I, I love both of them. I mean, dude, I am a staunch supporter of the postman and I love apocalypto and uh, I mean, a brave heart and passion of the Christ. I mean, both men are incredible directors and yeah, I'm in. All right, let's move on here. Next up, we got JCL Productions who writes, Hey, John, I uh, wrote in yesterday about my mom and I making 50 short films in a, uh, and a couple. Uh, John Campia Show watchers came by and supported and liked the content they saw. Oh, that's great, man. Um, they didn't have to do that, but I felt like I owed you for providing this great uh, platform. I uh, just want to say, also say, John, that the reason I was able to do all this 
is because your show stoked the fires of filmmaking and movie movies throughout the years of listening and watching your shows from AMC Collider to this. Your passion rubbed off on me. Well, listen, no, I think that's awesome, JCL. And like I said yesterday, I think the fact, particularly the fact that you and your mom do this together, I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome. You know what? I, I was just watching the documentary about Schitt's Creek, which, by the way, Someday this week, I'm just going to make a standalone video about Schitt's Creek. I cannot believe that I missed that show. I've now binged the whole thing. And without exaggeration, and I know this sounds funny and weird to say about a half-hour sitcom. I think it's a, a top eight to top five. Somewhere between top five and top eight best shows ever made. I'm not exaggerating. I really, I consider it that good. But anyway... Ann and I were watching a documentary about Schitt's Creek and just the fact that Daniel Levy and his dad, Eugene Levy, and Eugene's daughter, that they all got to work on that show together. You know, Daniel and Eugene created the show um, and they got to work together. So I and, and so hearing your message yesterday about you and your mom doing that and then seeing that with Eugene and Daniel made me try to think, man, I wish there was a project me and my dad or me and my mom could do together. I can't possibly think of one, but wouldn't it be cool? So- I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think everybody should be involved creatively, even if it's just a little fun hobby. I think everybody should be involved creatively. But listen, JCL and anybody else out there, I don't know if you know this, but there's currently a film festival going on uh, that Rob can uh, tell. Just plug it quick here, Rob. But what the, to, And where you should well, be submitting this thing. Yeah, over on my YouTube channel, I am throwing the first annual Intergalactic Imagination Connoisseurs Film Festival. And it's for anybody that's ever wanted to make a movie. And it, I'm accepting entries until December 1st. And you can see today uh, at noon, I am debuting. There's the world premiere of another short film about a woman, I kid you not, who's, talks, who's talking to a squid from the future. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's a film from the UK. And anybody, John, you were the one. You you had that great video, the uh, Talks on Walks video, and you talked about how everybody should make a movie. And I've always said that, you know, and, and you, you go out and, you, I mean, look, you dreamed up. You told me this idea you had, like, I want to make a movie about movie trailers. And you talked to me about it. I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. But then you kept talking about it. And then you went out and you made it. <laughs> movie trailers, a love story is now playing at film festivals. I mean, you went out and did it and nothing is stopping anyone. And so what I wanted to do with my, my film festivals, the same thing you were talking about, even if you want to go out and shoot something in one day, I mean, there's a couple of movies that you can watch. One of them is called confidence that a guy did in his dorm room and it's up there and it's, it's really clever. You watch it and you'll want to be like, Oh, I could do that. And you should. Share your creativity. Why not? Absolutely. All right. Uh, thanks for writing that in, JCL. All right. Next up. Oh, no, it's Josiah writes. Just wanted to say that me proposing to my girlfriend went very well. Oh, I remember that. You were going to go watch a movie and you're going to propose. I remember this. Uh, that Saying that proposing to my girlfriend went very well. We are very happy. And she was also... Uh, she was all, also psyched to hear you give us your blessing when I showed her. The Exorcist in theaters was fantastic. It was the director's cut much better to me. I've never seen the director's cut. I've never seen the director's cut of, of uh, The Exorcist. Is that one any good, Rob? As I'm sure you have. Well, it's funny. I'm sure you uh, own it. I'm sure uh, you own uh, it. Oh, I certainly, multiple copies. Uh, we, we actually reviewed it on our show, Whining About Movies, on last Saturday night for Halloween. I... 
I prefer the theatrical version of The Exorcist. I think there's mm. things I understand why it was made. Like the spider walk sequence is cool, but I do think that the director's cut or the version you've never before seen sort of tips its hand a little early, and I I don't like that. But all right, and and hey, oh no, it's Josiah. Congratulations, man, to you and your new fiance. I think that's awesome. All the best and every happiness, my friend. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, in honor of Election Day, what are some of your favorite political satires? I love Wag the Dog and Bullsworth. I mean, those those are two great ones. I, I, I Wag the Dog is really an underrated one. And is oddly applicable to our times, uh, Wag the Dog. And Bullsworth is just great. Um, that What's another really good political satire? Dave is not really a political satire, so I won't go with Dave. Rob, can you think of any other top of your heads that's a, like a really good political satire movie? Well, I think A Face in the Crowd with with Andy right. Griffith. Yep. Well, that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, uh, you know, The Candidate with Robert Redford is a really good one. Yep. Uh those are the ones that just jumped to mind. Uh, uh, what Nay, about Nay in the chat boards is saying Dick is pretty funny. Dick is pretty funny. Dick is it is you know what Dick is pretty funny. Also, I think Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator is a a pretty great. Oh yeah. Star. Oh, I mean that's just one of the all time. Oh, the the speech it's so iconic. Oh. The speech in that movie is yeah, so just, iconic. Just, everybody who hasn't seen it, go go uh go go Google or go to YouTube and just punch in Great Dictator speech and watch. It's amazing. All right, uh, let's keep going here. Colby Harris writes, do you believe that the removal of Zach's, uh, Zach's Justice League uh, means it's getting canceled? Again, see, I told you there were some people who really thought that the trailer disappearing suddenly magically means they canceled it. No, no, it is not. It's simply a music issues, uh, a music rights issue. They're going to take care of it. The trailers will go back up. This has nothing to do with, with it getting canceled. Don't worry about it. But again, I, I can see why. Like why all of a sudden the trailer's disappearing? Mm, yeah, but don't worry. No, it's not getting canceled. All right. Movie Nerdo from Pol uh, from Portland writes, Ahoy, crew. Two Fridays ago, I meant and or in text with AO. I have no idea what we're talking about here. I, I meant and or in text with AO. Pardon that. Reminded a decade ago from movie trades, Robert Rodriguez was was to helm Warner Brothers movie adaptations of Jetsons plus Johnny Quest. Your theory of why Hanna-Barbera reboots went into limbo. Okay. So um, I'm not, I still have no idea what the first part of that me means, but yes, there was a, a while ago, Rob, uh, Rob, that Robert, there was rumors and even some reports that Robert Rodriguez was going to direct a Jetsons movie and a Johnny Quest movie. Uh, and that is true. What happened with the Jetsons movie, I don't know. I mean, I was interested in that movie, but I really don't think there was a lot of commercial viability for it. I, I don't know how successful a Jetsons movie could have been, really. The Johnny Quest one is the one that truly interested me. Right. Now, I want to be I, – I don't know what I can say and what I can't. Because, Rob, you and I both know the producer of the upcoming Johnny Quest project. And you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to err on the side of caution here because I don't know if any of the stuff that I was told became public or not. So I'm just I'm going to err on the side of caution and not say anything. But ultimately, like Robert Rodriguez also got an offer to go and do Alita Battle Angel and work with James Cameron. 
And so that had something to do with it. So, so there's that, but I don't think, you know, we talk on the show a lot, Rob, about the fact that nine out of every 10 movies that go into development never actually make it to a green light and actually start filming. So it's not like to us fans, we sometimes hear about a movie going to development and we think what went wrong if it didn't get there when the reality is the minority of them get there. But, um, I think you're going to see some Hanna-Barbera. <clears throat> I still think we're going to see Johnny Quest. We're still going to see Johnny Quest. I just don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, but I do believe that. Rob, you've got things you've got to do. I know it's past 1130. What do you, uh, where can people follow you and your adventures online, my friend? Well, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. You can follow me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, where once again, the first annual Intergalactic Imagination Connoisseurs Film Festival is going on right now with a new film debuting at noon today. Check it out. It's a world premiere. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. And we will talk to you again tomorrow, my friend. Have a good one. All right, sir. Take care. All right, guys, that is the great Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Now let's keep on moving. We've still got some time. Let's, get, let's finish off these questions here. We're almost through all of them today, which is great. All right. Ann Perkins writes, John, which is great, uh, you know, Parks and Rec character. John, I run my own events company and haven't worked since March. It's got to be, that's got to be so many industries that involve people being together really getting hit hard. And that's, uh, I I'm sure it must be really rough. Anyway, I run my own events company and I haven't worked since March. My clients are also mostly in the entertainment space. So there's a double whammy. Your show has kept me so sane and something to look forward to. Thank you so much for well existing. Well, thank you so much for that. Anne. And listen, yeah, you know what? Here's the reality. And I like to remind all of us of this every once in a while. On this show, we talk about, you know, movies and TV and streaming and, and things like that. We, we talk about that stuff here. That is the little box that we discuss here on this show. But while that's what we talk about here, we are very cognizant of the fact that beyond outside of that box, there is much bigger problems a lot of people are facing, particularly in the in the uh, light of the pandemic, than people in the movie world are. And, you know, sometimes you'll hear me bitch and moan and whine. And it's like, oh, there's not a lot of movies to talk about. Boo-hoo. Like, you'll see me bitch about that once in a while. But there's – I'm cognizant of the fact that outside of my little whining that – there are industries that are getting hit real hard. Uh, and that's a good, like a, an events company, stuff like that. That's a really good example of, uh, of stuff that is being hit by that. And, you know, it's good for all of us to be, to be reminded of that. It's good for all of us to be reminded of that. So, Hey, listen, it is an honor and Perkins that we get to be here and talk about the things we love in a community. We love to talk about it with, and I'm glad you're a part of it. And I really hope things turn around for you and your business and your clients and everything really soon. I really hope they do. And thanks for being here and being a part of our community. And I appreciate that. All right. Next up, Frederico uh, Della Casa writes to Robert, who you just missed uh, to Robert Meyer Burnett. I own Captain Power Comics by continuity by the great Neil Adams. What about the discussion Spielberg and Lucas had saying that cinemas will be just for a few movies and a ticket around 50 to 150 dollars meanwhile many european movies will be on amazon slash netflix yeah we talked about that when they said that i don't agree with them however however 
I think one of the things that I have always agreed with is that as we move forward, you are going to see more and more of the low to mid budget movies migrating more to streaming where a lot of the mid to high budget films will continue to be uh, shown theatrically. I've always kind of felt that like even before the pandemic, I've always kind of felt that there will absolutely still be low to mid budget movies in theaters. And there will still be from time to time, the odd higher budget film on streaming. But I believe for the most part that tickets being $50 to hundred dollars, no, not until another 15 to 20 years pass. And that's just where inflation takes us. But other than that, I don't agree with that. I, I don't think that's the case because nobody will go. Nobody will go. Like, I, I don't care. I love the movie going. I, I am the biggest fan and proponent of the movie going experience, the theatrical going experience in anybody. But I don't care. You put Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill. You put a Batman movie directed by Ben Affleck himself. In AMC tomorrow, but you charge 110 bucks for the ticket. I ain't going. I ain't going. No. <laughs> and I'm the I'm the most likely to go. And I'm telling you, I ain't going. So that's kind of how I feel that uh, that going up, Frederico. Great question. Thanks for sending that in. All right. An anonymous viewer writes. I know everyone has their own feelings on separating art from artists, and I respect that. Personally, I struggle with it and just can't bring myself to pay to watch anything with Johnny Depp, Ezra Miller, Chris Brown, etc. It makes me too uncomfortable. Hey, I get it. I do. I absolutely get it. I, like I said, people ask me, how do I resolve the issue of an artist and their art? The difference between an individual and their work. And I don't know that I have a right answer. I don't. All I can tell you is the way my head kind of works. Um, and I don't know that the way my head works on it is right or not. But yeah, listen, I, I can't watch anything with Chris Brown. Like, I just can't. I make no apologies for that. Um, like, let me, let me say something here. <clears throat> let me say something here. Just so there's no mistake about it. Okay. Just so unequivocally, just so there's no mistake about my position on this. All right. And this will rub some people the wrong way. And quite frankly, I don't care. And I'm, I'm going to use a word here that gets a lot of people upset when you use it, but I believe it's applicable here. And so please take it for in the meaning of which I intended. Please do. If you're a man who hits women, you're a pussy. You're not a man. You're a little sack of shit. You're a pathetic little cretin. If you're a man, which you're not, and you hit women, sorry, you're just a little bag of shit, period. And I don't, I don't care about everybody who tries to sidetrack the discussion and talk about hyperbolic situations. Oh, but what if it's a woman who has a gun on you? And oh, what if it's a woman who's coming at you with a sword? And like, get that shit out of here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Men who hit women are pussies. I don't care who you are. I don't care whatever. You're not a man. It's just that simple. You're a pathetic piece of garbage that doesn't deserve the time of day or any attention whatsoever. All right. Let's just be clear about that. Uh, am I clear? Am I clear? So like, listen, that's why I've always said about the Johnny Depp situation. Look, if Johnny Depp and I wasn't there, if Johnny Depp did what he is accused of doing, then F Johnny Depp. At the same time, truth matters. 
if Amber Heard made it all up, then F Amber Heard. But the reality, the reason I haven't talked about this entire situation for, for all year is because I wasn't there. I'm not in the courtroom. I'm a little bit dumb, but I'm not so stupid that I think I know what's going on when I'm not even in the courtroom. So I just go, hey, listen, I don't know what happened. I don't know. Like with the Chris Brown situation, that was clear day. There were pictures. He beat a woman in the face so badly she was in the hospital and her face looked like a pounded side of beef. I mean, there's no game. Sorry. Chris Brown's a pussy. Chris Brown is a, a little bag of shit. I don't care. I don't care. If you're a man and you hit women, sorry, like put you in a special prison with bikers and let everybody else in the prison know that you hit women. That's what you deserve. I'm sorry. And again, I know there's going to be sad little people out there who's going to try to use hyperbolic examples about, no, 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 it's okay for men to hit women sometimes. Get out of here with that with that garbage. Get out of here with that weakness. Uh, but yeah, so, so I agree. I can't watch anything with Chris Brown. I have a very, very difficult, I struggle with the Ezra Miller thing. Because look, let's be clear too. There's a difference between, there is a difference between what Chris Brown did and what Ezra Miller did. Right. Like what Ezra Miller did is not excusable, but I'm also not going to pretend that it's on the same level. It's not like he jumped on the girl, pinned his knees under her shoulders and started beating her face. Right. Like still unexcusable. If you're a guy, you don't lay hands on a woman. I'm sorry. And if that bothers you that I'm saying that, get the fuck out of here. I don't need you on my channel. I don't need your views. If you hear a man say that a man shouldn't hit a woman, if that bothers you, I don't want you here. Go away. But, you know, I, but I don't want to cover everything with the same blanket. Like, is Ezra Miller, like, I'm very uncomfortable with what Ezra Miller did. I'm very uncomfortable. And I'm, as a fan of Warner Brothers, I am very disappointed in Warner Brothers that they haven't addressed it. I'm very disappointed they haven't addressed it. I'm very disappointed in them that they didn't even address it. They fired, what was it, how do you say his name, Hart, Hartley Sawyer? They fired a guy for tweets, stupid tweets, idiotic tweets. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have fired him, but they fired a guy for tweets from seven years ago. But they don't even have the balls as a company to address the fact that one of their movie stars put his hands on a woman. And I'm, again, I'm not saying they should fire Ezra Miller. I'm not necessarily saying they should fire Ezra Miller. I'm just very disappointed in Warner Brothers as a company that they fired one guy for like old tweets. And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't have fired him. But then with Ezra Miller, they don't even address it. They don't even, like, all I was looking for as a fan, and I'm a fan of Ezra Miller. I'm one of the few people that defends Ezra Miller as Flash. I like Ezra Miller's Flash. I know a lot of you don't, and that's fine. I personally do. But as a fan of Ezra Miller and as a fan of Warner Brothers, it really disappoints me that they didn't at least put out some kind of statement and say, hey, look, Ezra deeply regrets the incident. He wants the world to know that that is not reflective of his character. Um, and we at Warner Brothers are, are going to, you know, work with Ezra to blah, blah, blah. He sincerely apologizes, blah, blah. He's just something. I'm really disappointed they didn't do that, especially with the hypocrisy of how they handled other things. So I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's, 
I, I'm just, it's just, it's just weird. And again, like I said, I don't want to equate what Ezra Miller did with what Chris Brown did. It's a totally different thing. He was drunk. He clearly, he wasn't overly violent or anything, but still, I, I don't know. Look, one of the things I always try to explain is that there are a lot of times that a lot of people on YouTube, especially like talk show kind of YouTubers like me, they feel that it's important to pretend like, you know, the answer. There are a lot of situations. I don't know what the answer is. You know, um, I know there's certainly some things that get a reaction out of me and, but then there are other things like, what do you do with Ezra Miller with his particular situation? I'm not going to pretend like I know the answer. I don't. I just know that I was very disappointed that Warner brothers didn't at least address it. But anyway, that's me. So I get you anonymous that you have your own feelings on separating ours from art. I don't think there's a right and wrong answer. I, I don't know that there's a one clear line that this is how you're supposed to respond in differentiating the art from the artist. Oh, I don't know. It's tough. I think everybody has their own thing. And uh, I certainly don't know what the answer is. But anyway, that's me. Anyway, enough of that rant. Let's finish things off here today, shall we? With Frederico uh, Della Casa, who writes, for what I know, actor, from what I know, actors, they would kill for a sure part, let alone the MCU. So I think ATJ, no idea who that is, uh, would come back for a sure paycheck and in the meantime, doing other projects. But uh, with Disney in trouble with the world plague, could they still keep paying them? Again, guys, let me ask you, please don't use acronyms when you're writing because I have no idea who it is we're talking about. Um, one of the things, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. One of the things that I think is going to be a repercussion of pandemic and stuff like that is absolutely going to be probably moving forward. You're going to start to see hits on how much money actors make, at least in the short term. Long term, I don't know. But I also think that the more stuff that switches over to streaming, you're going to see budgets drop. And one of the first things that's going to get hit when budgets drop is actor salaries. Now, I, I, you can think that's a good thing or you can think it's a bad thing. I, again, I don't really have a definitive opinion on that myself either, but it will probably be one of the things that they're going to have to look at and examine as things move forward. All right, guys, that will do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your day, especially today on Election Day, to hang out here with us. And just a reminder, guys, if those of you who are watching who are in the U.S., if you haven't done so already and gone out and voted, it ain't my business and I don't care who you go out and vote for. But the fact of the matter is you live in one of these countries in the world that ha that gives you the responsibility and the privilege of act actually voting. Please take advantage of that. As somebody who lives in this country, I'm not a citizen. I'm a permanent resident, but I'm not a citizen. So I don't get the right to vote. And I wish I did. So if those of you do have the right to vote, whoever it is you're going to go vote for, get out there and let your vote count. Go out and take advantage of that. All right, guys, that will do it for me for today, guys. Thanks so much for being here. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.